0: On this nice, brisk, brisk day, I swear if I see one more snowflake, I'm gonna put my Christmas tree back up. I'm calling it a day. That's it. It's really good to be with you today. Uh, it feels like it's been forever. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Shannon. I have the privilege of being the resident church planter here at Grace Church. Uh, I used to be the Grace Group's director, but in the last couple months, I've been in this new role. Uh, and really, that's the reason I haven't been around quite as much as I used to be, is because I've been working diligently behind the scenes uh, to uh, on our upcoming church plant that we're going to be launching in Lee Summit this September uh, of 2018. So actually, the date is 9-9-18, of 18, and an easy way to remember that is 9 plus 9 equals... And Now you're not going to forget it, so 9918. and so we're going to be launching on that weekend. As you can imagine, I'm really excited about this opportunity. It's a really neat thing. Uh, basically, I get to be the first official church plant that Grace Church is sending out uh, under this new vision that God has given us to plant 100 churches in the next 20 years. Uh, and that is a God-sized vision if I've ever heard one, uh, and so we're doing it two ways. We're launching church sites, which is what we're doing in Olathe. Uh, it's what we're going to be doing in North Ovalon Park, uh, and then we're also launching church plants, which are independent new churches. Uh, which is what we're doing at least Summit, and I'll be the pastor of that particular church. Uh, and so we currently have a bunch of people already from Grace Church committed to coming along with us, and that's really exciting. Uh, we, we already have our own board of directors. Uh, we have uh, staff that's coming together. Our team is coming together real nicely. Uh, we even have a name and a website. Uh, our name is Real Community Church, and our website is real easy to remember because it is realcommunity.church. It's uh, just the same as the name. It's real easy to remember it that way. Uh, and get this. It appears that we also have a building, a church building that we're going to be meeting in as well. I've got a friend who's a pastor in Lee Summit, and he's adjusting his service time so we could launch in his church facility, which is just incredible for a church plant to have that opportunity. Uh, So we're very excited about that. Uh, We actually have a table in the lobby today. If you didn't notice it on your way in, uh, whether you're in Overland Park or in Olathe, we have some information out there. Uh, We have little booklets. You can find out a little bit about the church and what what our vision is and all that sort of stuff too. Uh, And next week, next Saturday, Sunday, the 21st, 22nd, I believe, we're going to be having uh, informational meetings, uh, Saturday at 5, 30, and Sunday at 11 a.m. here at the Overland Park campus. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, or if you just want to find out some more information about it, that'd be your opportunity to check it out as well. Uh, so that's coming up next weekend. Uh, this weekend, we are continuing our series that we started last week. It's called Foolish. Uh, and as Tim shared last week, the premise behind this series is actually rather simple. You see, sometimes God calls us to things in life That can appear foolish. It can seem kind of outlandish. Uh, In fact, I love the way that Francis Chan put it. Uh, Francis Chan is a pastor. He's an author. He's out in California. He says this way, and he's writing to Christians. He says, something is wrong when our lives begin to make sense to those who don't believe. Something is wrong when our lives begin to make sense to those who don't believe. Uh, And so we know as Christians, we are called to a different set of values, a different way of living. 1 Peter 2 tells us that we are aliens. We are foreigners in this world. So absolutely, we should be living differently than others around us. And so something is wrong when our lives, when our faith begins to make sense to those who don't believe. Believe. I know this has proven to be true in my life many times over. Uh, in fact, the first time I can remember, it was actually 22 years ago. This particular month, uh, it's when I felt the call to full time vocational ministry. Now, I realize that God doesn't call everyone to ministry, just like he doesn't call everyone to be a lawyer or to be a teacher or to be an accountant. Uh, But he called me to be a full-time vocational ministry. Uh, We're all called in our own way uh, to use our time, our talents, and our treasures in a meaningful way for the kingdom. So no one is exempt. Uh, But I felt this leading, this calling that God was taking me to full-time ministry. And so I marched into my sergeant's office. I was a sheriff's deputy at the time. And I informed my sergeant that I was going to be turning in my resignation. And I'll never forget the words, that she said to me. She said, Shannon, are you crazy? You see, I'd only been there two years. I had this whole career ahead of me, and to her, it made absolutely no sense. It was downright foolish that I would be changing direction, changing careers. And so to her, it didn't make any sense. But to me, since I'm a follower of Christ, I understood. It made sense to me. And so something is wrong when our lives begin to make sense to those who don't believe. And so today, the passage we're looking at is actually one of the earliest recorded examples of God calling a person to do something that seemed foolish, that didn't seem uh, normal. It seemed kind of outlandish. And the crazy thing is, check this out. This guy was well into his retirement years. He was 75 years old when God called him to change direction in his life. Now, if there's anybody in this world that shouldn't have to worry about God calling to make major changes, it's people who are 75 years old. Like, that's your happy lane in life. That's where you're enjoying the fruits of your labor, and yet this guy was obedient. This guy followed the call that God had given him. But here's what I love about this story. You see, every time I hear this passage, every time I've even, um, I read it even since I was a kid, there's something about it that just draws me in. There's something about it that captures my attention. It just captivates me in a very exciting way. In fact, I would liken it to the television shows that a lot of us grew up watching. You guys remember what it was like watching TV and you had to wait a whole week until your favorite show would be on again? Like before TiVo and before Netflix when you could binge watch all night long your whole season, right? Uh, And so when the theme song would come on to your favorite uh, television show, it was like a tractor beam to the TV and it would just kind of suck you in and for the next 30 minutes or 60 minutes, you're there watching it because you're just so excited excited about what was going to be happening in that episode. You guys remember some of those shows, right? So some of you could probably hum the theme songs to this very day. Uh, In fact, this is what I want to do. I figured this might be kind of fun today. Uh, This this actually proves what we're talking about today. It just illustrates what we're talking about. And so I decided I'm going to test your memory. I I put together five or ten second audio clips of some of those television shows that we grew up on, and I want to see how good your memory is if you can remember which TV show it is. Okay, you guys ready for this? Okay, I know we're in church. Some of you have your church face on, like, I can't admit I watch TV. I just pray and read my Bible all day. Listen, if that's you, awesome. I want to be like you when I grow up. But the rest of us might have watched a few TV shows, all right? And so uh, I thought this would be kind of fun, and it actually just highlights what we're talking about today. And so this one, I made the first one really easy. Let's see if you can get this one. Here's the story. A lovely lady. It wasn't even like two seconds, seconds. You had that, pretty much, right? It's the one show that made every blended family in America feel inadequate, right? <laughs> uh, and so let's do this next one. This one's a little bit more difficult. This is one of my favorite ones. This guys, got it? I can't trick you. It's the A team. Say it, A team. Uh, And so Mr. T actually lived about 15 minutes from where I grew up, and so I would see him driving by in his Rolls-Royce convertible all the time, and he always had those gold chains on. Like, he never took them off. Legitimately, he always wore those things. Okay, so this was one of my all-time favorites. Let's see if you can get this one. It's a a little bit more difficult. It's not even a challenge, is it? What is it? Star Trek. All right, can you guys do it? Come on. Oh, you guys are good. I used to record those and go back and watch them again. I just love that show. Uh, This one's a little bit newer. Let's see if you know this one. You guys said that like grudgingly. Save by the bell. (laughs) This show was so cheesy you had to watch it, right? It just kind of like drew you in. I have to watch. Okay, this is the last one. It's a little bit more difficult. Let's see if you can get this one. Anyone? Baywatch. Baywatch. I never actually saw that show. Because I was praying and reading my Bible. Sounds like a few of you saw it, though. Okay? So here's the thing. Thanks for having some fun with me. Here's the thing the fact that we remember those shows so vividly, so perfectly, it just illustrates my point. You see, we were drawn to the adventure. We were drawn to the journey. That's what got us excited, all right? And so each week, we would tune in, and we could not wait to see what was going to happen next. And so we wanted to see what was going to happen, what challenge Marsha Brady would have to face. You know, it usually involved getting gum in her hair or something life-challenging like that, or or we wanted to see what kind of challenge that Captain Kirk was going to have to overcome that week. We wanted to see good prevail. We wanted to see evil lose time and time again, week after week, without fail. But here's something that's so interesting. And maybe some of you never realized this, but those shows we watched growing up, in fact, a lot of the movies we watch to this day, they are rarely, if ever, about the destination. They were always about the journey. They were always about the adventure of getting there, because that's what captivated us. That's what grabbed our attention. That's what got us exciting, right? And so knowing that, this is what's so so unfortunate to me. You see, somewhere along the line, as we've gotten older, for some reason, I think we've kind of lost this. I think Maybe even we've gotten it backwards because basically what we've done is now that we've grown up, we seem to care far more about the destination now than we do the journey getting there. And so whether we're talking about uh, our vacation that you might be planning this summer, you know, you're excited about where you're going to be going, or or maybe you're thinking about career goals, five or ten years, where you want to be, maybe it's a large purchase that you're saving money for today, and it's a house or a car, and you just can't wait to get there, or or maybe it's a trial that you're going through, and it's just been a a crushing season for you and your family. You know, it could even be, listen to this, it could even be your spiritual growth goals today, right? Whatever the case is, all too often, we just want to arrive we just want to be there already. We want it to happen like right now. We want to make that big purchase right now. We want to be spiritually mature like yesterday, all right? We want to be on vacation right now. It's like we just, the journey is an annoyance to us. We're tired of waiting. We just want to be there. And so I'm not sure if it's because as we've gotten older, we're more impatient now, or maybe we live more practically, or, or maybe we, maybe we've just gotten old and really boring. But whatever the case is, somewhere along the line, we lost that sense of adventure that we had when we were young. In fact, it's real funny. When I was putting this message together... This happened uh, about a week, week and a half ago. I took my son to a monster truck rally. Uh, my dad had taken me to one when I was young. And so I got to take my son to one now. It's kind of a rite of passage. And so we're driving there. We're just running a few minutes late. And as we're driving, my son, he's 12 years old. He's sitting in the front seat and he's talking to me. He's saying, dad, we could stop at this one gas station. We get this snack before we go there. And then on the way home, we can go to this pizza place and we get a pizza. And none of the girls are with us. And he's coming up with all these ideas. And after, after a few minutes of it, I got really frustrated with him. And I turned to him and I said, Corbin, listen, tonight is about the monster truck rally. That's what matters. And as I was saying the words, it hit me like a ton of bricks that I was doing the very thing that I, that I was going to be speaking about. You see, to me, it was all about the destination. But to my son, it was all about the adventure of the journey as well as the destination. And so here's the thing. That's what God cares about in our faith today as well. He cares about our journey just as much as the destination because it's on the journey where he he grows us and he speaks to us and he shows himself in mighty ways. But unfortunately, somewhere along the line, when it comes to our faith, we've also lost our sense of adventure. We've started playing it safe now. In fact, I think we're just kind of downright boring. And in fact, it's almost like we know our our destination. We know we're going to heaven. And so some of us are just content sitting in the same chair week after week, and that we're just waiting for that day to come i got to be honest, that's got to be the most boring faith adventure I've ever heard. Because the truth is, God has called each of us to our own unique adventure. And that's exactly what we see in our passage today when we look at the life of Abram. right? Because you see, Abram's life was this amazing adventure, and it was also a final destination. And I believe we can learn something about our journey today by looking at the journey of Abram. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn over to Genesis chapter 12, first book in the Bible. We're going to read just verses 1 through 3 this morning. And as you're turning there, just kind of on a side note, um, I was thinking about this this last week. Uh, if Abraham had a theme song for his life, does anyone know what it would be? If you grew up in church, you would know this, right? Father Abraham. You guys are like scared to say it. You can say Baywatch, but you can't say that. Okay. All right. Uh, and so uh, let's go ahead and read Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray. Lord, I think, thank you for the power of your word, and Lord, I pray that you begin to do something unique, something special, as we learn about the adventure of Abram and what that means to our adventure in our faith as well. Lord, we know that you've called each of us to use our time, our talents, our treasures in a meaningful way for your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, we can leave here differently than what we walked in. Lord, we want an encounter with you today. So, Lord, we ask this in your name. Everyone said... Amen. So, real quick, for those of you uh, who might not be too familiar with this book of Genesis, uh, let me kind of give you some background because we don't spend a lot of time in Genesis generally. Uh, And so, the first thing here, if you're taking notes though, uh, is that God gives us this personal invitation to our own journey. He gives us a personal invitation to our own unique journey. Uh, And so, up to this point in the book of Genesis, in chapters 1 through 11, God has been on a journey himself with mankind. And it has not been a good journey. And so uh, some of you might remember, right, God created Adam and Eve. They were perfect. They were sinless the way it was supposed to be. And then one day they chose to sin. They ate of the fruit. And so on a scale of 1 to 10 of the worst mistakes in the history of humanity, that's like a 53 (laughs) because that's like the worst it gets, you know. And so that happened. And then after that, they had some kids. And, of course, one day one of their sons decides to murder their other son, right? So if you're here today and you think your family is messed up, all right, if you've somehow managed to keep your kids from actually murdering each other, like really murdering each other, you're already doing better than Adam and Eve. So good job mom and dad. And so then after that, things got worse, right? And so one day he decides, you know what? I'm starting over. I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to wipe everyone out. And so he sees that Noah is righteous. And so he saves, he rescues Noah and his family in an ark. And so then after that happens, uh, the floods subside and, and, and Noah's uh, descendants, they continue to multiply and they just continue to get worse. And then one day they decide they're going to all come together in this big field called the plains of Shinar, and they're going to build this big tower up to heaven because they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And so it's kind of funny because if you know that passage, it's like God is mocking humanity's pride at that point because it says that God had to come down to see their high tower. He had to come down just to see the cute little tower they built. And so, of course, God's frustrated, sends them all out speaking different languages, but it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so now we come into Genesis 12 here, and God decides for the first time to roll up his sleeves, and he's going to make this personal And so God decides to call a man to go and become a great nation, and it's through that nation, which becomes the Israelites, that God sends his son 2,000 years later after Abram to redeem humanity from our sins. Aren't you thankful God made it personal? Amen? Amen. Uh, and so, on a side note, for those of you that, that love to study the Jewish roots of our faith, um, this passage has been taught in the Torah. It's been read and taught for thousands of years. It actually has a name, uh, and it's called this. You guys ready for this? It's called the Lake Lecha. All right, everyone turn to your neighbor. Repeat after me. Get some spit on them. All right? Lake Lecha. You guys are doing that really well, because I can see the spit. All right? And so, what it means is to, listen to this, to go forth or to get going on the adventure that God is calling each and one of us to. This passage has been used as a call to get going. So listen, it's not a call to faith. It's a call to do something with your faith. You see the distinction? Alright, And so God shows up here. He, he decides to speak to Abram in verse 1, because what happens is God picks this random guy, Abram. We know nothing about him. 75 years, Scripture is silent about the first 75 years of his life, and we find out that his name, Abram, ironically means exalted father, which is probably kind of a touchy subject with him because he's 75 and he doesn't have any kids. So maybe don't say his name, just call him Abe or something, you know. And so he calls him, he shows up one day and he says, and he tells him to go forth on this amazing adventure and leave behind his country, his kindred, and his family. Now, let me ask this. Let's just pretend that everybody here, or if you're in Olathe today or you're watching online, let's just pretend that everybody is 75 years old. We're in that happy lane in our life. We're enjoying the fruits of our labor. And then one day God shows up and says, Lech Lecha, and he calls us to a brand new adventure to leave everything behind and to go. How many of you would have a hard time with that? Yeah, thank you for your honesty. All right, I would have a hard time with that. Now, Scripture doesn't indicate this, all right, but I got to imagine that Abram objected a little bit as well. I'm probably like, he's probably thinking, are you serious, God? Like, I'm 75. I'm comfortable. I just, I just paid off my house. I'm about to inherit my family's business. My parents are up there in age. Besides, God, I've got these heel spurs, and so I don't know if I should be walking all the way to Canaan. That doesn't seem reasonable, so if you could check maybe the guy down the street, he seems kind of bored. We would have a laundry list of excuses, wouldn't we? We would have a laundry list of them, right? And so just for a minute here, I want you to think about that. What is that one thing that you would say as an excuse, as a reason to not go? What is that thing today in your life that make you go, "Mm mm-mm, not doing it, God? Is it a, a job? Is it a relationship? Is it an insecurity? Is it a fear? Whatever the case is, all right? Because listen, I know two things. One, we've all been called to a unique faith adventure, a unique journey in our faith. And secondly, whatever that thing is, God has this amazing way of pressing on it, and kind of making us uncomfortable to the point that we have to deal with it, we have to confront it, we even have to surrender it to God. I remember back 22 years ago when God said Lake Lecha to me, and he called me into this journey. And listen, you wonder, how does God speak to us? Well, God spoke to me through a, a number of people that said some very specific things to me. God can speak to us through his word. He can speak to us through a still, small voice. He can speak to us in dreams. There's ways that he talks to us, right? And so I was asking God some very specific questions, and God was answering me some very specific answers. And I couldn't deny it that he was speaking to me. And so when I felt this call, I wish I could tell you, I said, yes, but I didn't. I struggled with it. I wrestled. And it wasn't like I was in a bad place in my life. I wasn't living in sin or anything like that. It's just that I I really liked law enforcement. I'd spent a lot of time getting there. And so I loved the action. I loved the physical nature of it. I loved um, writing tickets and making women cry. That was what got me up in the morning. So knowing that, here's what I did. I decided that I was going to try to placate God. I was going to try to placate Him for an entire year. And so I signed up for everything possible at my church. I was a youth leader. I was driving the youth van. I was working. I was on the praise team. I was playing guitar. I was also helping with sound in the back of the room. I did both. I'm not sure how, maybe I was faster back then or what, but I did everything possible. And I was trying to serve my way out of this call that God had put in my life. And as you can imagine, it, it didn't work. Ta-da, here I am. <laughs> but God just kept pursuing me, and he, he kept reminding me. And It wasn't like He was going to force me, but He wanted me to know that the adventure that He had called me to was far greater than, one that I, than the one I had planned for myself. And so one day, finally, I had to get real with God. I was on this men's retreat down in Florida. I'll never forget this. And I had to acknowledge what was holding me back? And really, what was holding me back was this one nagging question. And I think it's a question that a lot of us ask, and I think it's a question that a lot of us will even use as an excuse not to go forth, not to get going. And so the question was this, why me? Why me, God? Like, I am a nobody. I am not qualified for what you are, I'm not even remotely qualified for what you are calling me to. Why would you call me? I mean, I knew up to that point in my life, all the pastors that I know, and it made sense why God called them. I mean, they had the look and they had the talk. I'm pretty sure most of them were born in a church building on a Sunday, right? They came out wearing a three-piece suit, speaking Greek. It was just, they were good. And then they'd stand around, they'd brag about their pedigree, like, you know what? My uncle is Billy Graham, and my mom is uh, the direct descendant of the Virgin Mary. And so, and I was like, oh, come on, but why me? I'm the son of a bus driver why would you call me to ministry? How many of you ever felt that way? Like what God is calling you to do or giving you the gifts to do, you're like, why Why would he give that to me? I'm a nobody. I'm unqualified for that. You know, whether it's leading a small group. You know, there's there's some of us that have been in small groups so long that we could be leading five of them by now, but we just won't step out. Maybe it's helping in the children's ministry. Maybe it's planting a church. And that's the journey that you know God has for you, but you just won't do it. Here's the crazy thing, though. Abram, he was a nobody as well. In fact, get this. According to tradition, Abram's dad was a professional idol maker. Like, he made false idols for a living and sold them to other people and led them astray, right? Oh, my goodness. Joshua 24, 2 tells us that Terah, his name was Terah, he, he served many gods, Right? So I, talk about scandalous. I thought the son, being the son of a bus driver was not so great, but whoa, right? And so that tells us that Abram wasn't from family believers. Abram didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks. He grew up in modern day Iraq, All right, Abram didn't even have the right pedigree. And yet for some reason, God showed up and told him to Lake Lecha and told him and called him to this amazing journey that was going to be epic for the rest of his life. And so this is my point. And if you've never heard this, write this down, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. And the cool thing is, listen to this, is that He does it on the journey. You know the thing that we're trying to skip over just so we can get to the destination? He qualifies us, He equips us, He trains us on the journey. That's why the journey is so important. And so the bummer is so many of us are so afraid to step out in faith and trust God to take that next step and and follow that call, that invitation that He's given us because we're not qualified, because we're insecure, when in fact that first step is the very thing that begins to qualify us. Have you ever thought about how unqualified some of the people in Scripture really were? Like some of these ones that we talk about and teach about, I mean, just think about it. Jacob, Abram's grandson, he was a cheater. He cheated his brother Esau out of a birthright. Not cool, all right? How about Peter, the Apostle Peter? You ever read realize that he has kind of a temper issue, doesn't he? David was an adulterer. That's not good at all. Noah had a drinking problem. Paul was a murderer. Moses stuttered. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrywart. Thomas was a doubter. Abraham's wife was impatient. He, she let him go off with another lady and have another kid. All right, talk about scandalous. Elijah was struggle, struggled with depression. Zacchaeus was too short, and, and Lazarus just up and died one day. <laughs> Nobody is qualified to do the amazing work of Christ, but you know what? He is the one who qualifies us. He is the one who equips us and trains us. He never sends us out alone. And so the key thing is, and see, God is in the business of taking average everyday nobodies and he uses them in amazing ways. And I think it's because he wants to use average everyday nobodies because he gets the glory, not us, right? And so for me, what, is, what was that thing, right? God, it was my insecurities, it was my fears, and God pressed on him. And he taught me that it's not a, he doesn't give us a pedigree to flaunt, he gives us a purpose to follow. That's what matters. And so what is that thing today that is holding you back that you're saying, no. What's holding you back today from that journey? If God can use Abram, if God can use a guy like me, He can certainly use someone like you. All right, so the next thing that we see here is, is in this journey is that God gives us specific promises for our journey. So he gives us an invitation and then he gives us specific promises for our journey. Uh, Several years back on a Sunday afternoon, I was heading home from church and my family was already home because they always get there before I do. I'm always at church a lot later than them. Uh, And so it was just a beautiful day out. It was sunny. It was gorgeous. The opposite of today. Uh, And so I'm going through my neighborhood and I'm seeing all these little kids that are riding their bikes And I loved that. And and so it's like when I saw this, this light bulb went off. I realized that I haven't taught my son, who's seven at the time, how to ride his bike without training wheels. So I was being like a negligent dad. And so uh, given the fact that I had just seen like a two-year-old go by on a unicycle, uh, I figured it was time for me to probably do something about that. And so I come home, I get in the house, I announce to my son, Corbin, it's time, man, your, your training wheels are coming off. You're going to learn to ride your bike like daddy rides his bike, right? And so I took his bike out, I knocked his training wheels off, I plopped him on the end of the driveway, put him in the seat, and I started talking to him because I knew he was nervous. And I wanted to instill confidence in him. I said, Corbin, listen, I know you can do this. I've seen you ride your bike, your training wheels don't even touch the ground, buddy. You can do this. And the last thing I said to him was like, Corbin, I will not let you fall. And so at that, I grab the back of the seat, which is where God intended every parent to hang on to the bikes. And so I start walking with him, and he's 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 not even wobbly, he's just like he's doing it, right? He's great. And so I start running a little bit, and he's just perfectly cruising along, and I realize, okay, it's time to let go. So I let go and he's just riding his bike and I'm running next to him. At some point, he realized that I had let go of the seat because all of a sudden he slams his brakes, comes to a stop, looks up at me, and goes, Dad! I'm like what? Says you told me you wouldn't let go. I said no, Corbin. I told you I wouldn't let you fall. I had to. I had to let go for you to learn how to ride your bike. But you see, what Corbin did is he heard my promise to him and he interpreted it in his own way, the way he wanted it to be. And you know what? We often do the same exact thing with God's promises in our life. We hear them and we interpret them the way that we want them to be, not necessarily what He actually meant, right? And so, for instance, we take these amazing promises that God has given us for the journey, for the adventure in life, like Philippians 4.19. He says, my God will supply every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we take that word need and we just kind of reinterpret it a little bit to, to want, how many of you know we have a problem in America knowing the difference between a need and a want, you know? And so we hear that, and we, we get ourselves in trouble. Or how about Romans 8.28, one of my favorites, and we know that, that all things work together for the good, for those who love Him, and we stop right there. We love that, right? And then there's another part to the verse, though, for those who are called according to His purpose, and so we take that word good, and we reinterpret it just a little bit to where now it's what's good for me, not what's good for the kingdom, For his purpose, right? Or how about Philippians four nineteen, which is or four thirteen? It's got to be the most misquoted verse all of Scripture. We all know this one: I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? We all know this one. And then we go outside and we try to pick up a skyscraper, and it didn't work. And if it did, talk to me after service. And we go, God, what is going on? Like you said, I can do all things. That's what your word said. How many of you know that context is everything in Scripture? So Paul is actually advocating contentment there, not achievement. Contentment. So the next time you see that verse written on the wall of the gym where you're working out, I think it's your job to tell everybody at the gym that Paul is advocating that we should be happy in our wimpy selves, not getting stronger. We actually use that verse for the opposite of what it was actually intended, don't we? And so we take these promises, and, and just like my son, we sometimes, I think it's our human nature, we just hear it the way we want to hear it versus the way God meant it. And the bummer is things get really messy when we do that, because what happens? Just like in our favorite TV shows, there was a plot twist, there was a challenge. That's what was exciting for us. It's like, oh, I didn't see that coming, you know? Well, that happens in real life. That happens in our adventure. How many of you have ever had a plot twist in your life? Come on now. Right, And because of that plot twist, then we're believing the wrong version of the promise, and we're, we stand back and go, okay, God, what's up? You told me that you provide all of my wants. You said everything would work out for my good. And we get ourselves into trouble, and some of us even get so frustrated with it, we just decide to call it quits. Like, God, I'm out. No more journey for me. And it's a tragedy because we heard things the way we wanted to hear them. You know, here's the thing. We forget that God sees things we don't see. God knows things we don't know. God is not confined by time and space the way that we are. And so he, he sees big picture. He sees the left turns and the right turns that are coming, the plot twists. We don't see them. And so knowing that, Abram is literally a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Because in, in verse 2, you notice that there's some very specific promises that he made to him. He said that, Abram, will make I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I'll be honest. If I'm Abram, I'm hearing those in the flesh. And I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm, sign me up for that. Make my name great? Done. But then all we have to do is turn over to, to Hebrews 11:13, 13, the heroes of faith chapter, and here's what we find out. Things didn't go exactly like he thought they would either. These all, and it's talking about Abraham and others, they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, so, you know what that means? Is that God 100% kept every promise he made to Abram. It's just that he didn't do it in Abram's lifetime. Are we okay with that? Like, can we file a grievance with God's union or something? What does that tell us then? So, here's what that means. You see, despite what we might think, we are not the hero of our adventure today, God is the hero of the adventure He's calling us to. And you know what that also means? Is that these promises that He's made were never about us. They were for us in order to glorify His name, not our own. And so we literally have one job on this journey. And this is the one job. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our job is to trust the promise maker. God's job is to be the promise keeper. All we are supposed to do is trust Him. We trust Him. Deuteronomy 7.9 says he keeps promises to a thousand generations. Listen, I can't keep promises for next week sometimes. Why would we trust anyone else? He is the hero in this adventure, not us. Let me, let me land with this point. The last thing we see here is that God then provides a plan for our journey. He gives us an invitation, he gives us promises, and then he gives us a plan. And so real quick, let me ask this. How many of you um, are detail person? Like you're, you're detail people, you're good at planning. You, that's kind of what you do. You're just a detail person. Okay, a lot less of you than last service. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and so you might have missed this. Actually, if, if you're a detail person, you probably didn't miss this. Um, in verse 1, God says something that can be very unnerving to the detail types amongst us. This is what he does. He tells Abram, he says that Abram is supposed to go to the land I will show you. Okay, God, so let me get this straight. You want me to pack up my house? You want me to pack up my car? You want me to start driving? And then you're going to tell me where we're going? I don't think so, God. <laughs> Listen, you need to give me some plans here. And if you think I'm exaggerating, all we got to do is look back to Hebrews 11:8, 8. And this is what it tells us. By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And here it is. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Some of us have to be so in control, and we have to know so many details that we will not say yes to God's call. We will not say yes to God's plan because not, not saying yes is actually the opposite of trust. It's the opposite of faith. God is saying, just trust me. I will give you the plan because God's plan is always better than our own. And I'll be honest, if God gave me the plan of my life and he just laid it out for me when I asked for it, I would probably tell him no anyway because I wouldn't have been okay with half the plot twist that came. Not trusting God, that's, that's what we do when we hold back and say, well, if I don't know the plan, I'm not going to do it. God's saying, no, 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 you should do it. I got the plan. Let me close with this story. A couple months back, when we announced that we we're going to be launching this Church at Lee Summit, uh, it was uh, back in August, I believe, of last year. Uh, on that particular day, I got a text from one of our deacons here at Grace Church. His name is Chris Jones. He actually attends the Olathe campus. Uh, and so Chris texted me, and I went back and I looked at the text. So this is what it said: It said that my brother Travis Jones is in. He's ready to rock and roll on your new church plant. Here's his number. Now, I had met Travis and his wife, Lana, maybe once or twice before then, all right? They, they certainly didn't know me. I really didn't know them. I didn't, he didn't know anything about me. He didn't know anything about the church plants. He didn't even know if we had a name. He certainly didn't know if we had a plan. And yet here he is saying, I'm in, when he felt the Lord say, lecha," to get going on your adventure. And the cool thing is, if you know Travis, Travis is a detail person. But him and his wife have now joined our grace group in Lee Summit. It's like they're family. We can't even remember when they weren't there. And not only that, Travis is now one of the founding board members of Real Community Church. He had no idea that would be part of his journey. But he said, yes, I'm in, before he even knew the plan. Listen, there's some of us here today, maybe even since you were young, that you have been avoiding, you've been running. You just have not answered the invitation to the adventure that God is calling you to. You know He's given you passions. He's you know He's given you gifts. And for whatever reason, you've said no. And you're living this stale, repetitive, boring faith journey. That's not what God's called us to. He's called us to step out in faith, to trust Him. I believe some of us here today might want to consider being a part of Real Community Church, only Summit. A church plant is an adventure that is coming, unfolding like literally every day God is showing himself. And maybe it's exactly what you need today to ignite that faith in you, to be a part of something like that. But whatever the case is, do something exciting with your faith. God cares about your journey as much as he cares about your destination. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the amazing word that you give us. And you show us through others Abram's journey today, Lord, that you can teach us something about our own. Lord, forgive us for not saying yes to the call to go, to get going on the adventure you've called us to. Lord, whatever that thing is that's held us back, Lord, we surrender to you. And Lord, we want to trust you. So Lord, help us to step out in faith. Even if we don't know the plan, we will step out in faith and we will be committed no matter what. Thank you for your word, Lord, in your name. Amen.